Hello and welcome to Daily Inner Lake News Now. I'm your host, Taylor Edmond. We're taking a look at some of this week's biggest headlines and what's coming up for the Flathead Valley. Every four years, the Whitefish Lake Institute hosts the Montana Lakes Conference with the goal of discussing the biggest threats facing our lakes and how we can potentially solve them. I spent some time with Institute founder and executive director Mike Kupal and finance and grants manager Carol Treadwell, who tell us a bit about what the conference will focus on this year. But first, here are some headlines. Kalispell City Council is considering organizing a summit for Flathead County's three municipalities regarding homelessness. Councilor Chad Graham pitched the idea during their October 2nd meeting. He cited a Daily Interlake article published last week featuring an interview with Tanya Horn, executive director of the Flathead Warming Center. Horn told the newspaper that the community needs more beds to house the valley's homeless population. Graham raised Horn's comments at the end of Council's meeting, saying that the community solutions must be valley-wide, not just Kalispell-based. He said he wanted to see other municipalities approve more housing construction, examine zoning requirements to allow homeless shelters, and to work with Kalispell to create a valley-wide approach to the issue. Mayor Mark Johnson and Councilors Ryan Hunter and Sid Daoud expressed support for the theoretical meeting. Homelessness has grown into a contested topic in the valley in recent years. Graham alleged that cities like Whitefish and Columbia Falls shuttle homeless people to Kalispell to get them services. Council enacted a series of ordinances last winter following the temporary closure of the gazebo at Depot Park, a move that grew out of residents' concerns about homeless people using the structure. Those measures include limiting the time a person could spend in the public park, banning the erection of structures on public property, and restricting the amount of personal belongings an individual could bring into the public space. Another ordinance aimed at tamping down on roadside panhandling, which included possible fines for motorists stopping to hand over cash, was approved in the spring. Read more coverage of the Kalispell City Council meeting at dailyinterlake.com. North Valley Food Bank is launching its annual trick-or-treat so kids can eat food drive today. The food bank serves about 1,000 individuals every week, and a quarter of those are children. Executive Director Sophie Albert said children and teens make up 25% of the customers they serve each week, so they feel it's vitally important to highlight their needs. With that in mind, North Valley Food Bank is hosting its annual trick-or-treat so kids can eat food drive to benefit hungry and undernourished kids and teens. The community event runs through October 31st. During this time, the food bank will be collecting kid-friendly, non-perishable items at its facility, as well as at schools, local businesses, and grocery stores. The food bank is seeking items such as canned tuna, macaroni and cheese, applesauce cups, cereal, oatmeal, nuts, crackers, peanut butter, jelly, fruit cups, popcorn, fruit snacks, soups, goldfish crackers, trail mix, granola bars, jerky, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and children's vitamins. The food bank requests that sweets not be donated as it seeks to balance the tradition of giving out candy by providing healthy, nourishing foods. To locate the donation bins, look for the black and orange posters with the NVFB logo and the bat symbol in the windows of selected businesses, schools, and grocery stores. Along with food donations, the food bank is seeking volunteers to help with flyer distribution, collecting food donations, and to sort items. To volunteer, visit the food bank's website or contact Anya Brown at anya at northvalleyfoodbank.org. The food bank will also host a food donation bin at their location at 251 Flathead Avenue in Whitefish. For more information about the food drive, you can go to northvalleyfoodbank.org. 
Citing mounting challenges in staffing, training, and patient numbers, Clark Fork Valley Hospital is discontinuing its delivering of babies effective January 1, 2024. In a press release, hospital CEO Greg Hansen described it as a perfect storm of challenges. He said deliveries have steadily declined in the past 10 years, and it has become increasingly difficult to recruit sufficiently skilled medical personnel to provide round-the-clock coverage. In addition to this, he said the delivery volumes did not provide the ongoing experience necessary to keep staff fully trained. The facility will continue to provide maternal health services to patients until other care can be arranged. They have also partnered with two obstacle physicians and hospitals to allow some prenatal care at Plains so mothers-to-be won't consistently have to travel for all their appointments. Hansen noted that the challenges facing the hospital are not unique to the rural health care industry. He said delivery services are being cut from many rural hospitals across the country. The American Hospital Association reports that there were at least 89 obstacle unit closures in rural hospitals between 2015 and 2019. More have shuttered since. Out of 1,976 rural hospitals across the United States, more than 1,000 have never offered hospital-based OB services. The hospital will continue to provide other women's health services like pap smears, annual exams, gynecological care, and the full range of family medicine, including child exams, physicals, behavioral health services, and urgent care. Selenium in Lake Kukanuska, non-native fish in the lakes and rivers of Glacier National Park, and why we're seeing more slimy shores. The Montana Lakes Conference puts a spotlight on the biggest threats against the numerous lakes in the region. Join me as I chat with Whitefish Lake Institute founder and executive director Mike Kupal and Institute Grant and Finance Manager Carol Treadwell about what attendees can expect to learn. I'm here with Mike and Carol with the Whitefish Lake Institute. They're going to be telling us a little bit about the Montana Lakes Conference. Uh, the last time it happened was 2019. So Mike, maybe you could start us off with telling a, a little bit about what the first conference was like. Yeah, so the first conference was a big success. Um, we brought... Uh, together natural resource professionals, uh, academia, uh, the public, um, and a lot of folks from lake associations that are interested in their lakes. And um, it was a great dialogue of hearing, you know, kind of more technical type papers from the scientists, but also a lot of uh, community-minded uh, presentations on what we can do to best protect the lakes that we all live around and enjoy. And so it was a great gathering. It had kind of a community feel. It wasn't like a typical conference where it's all, you know, like science, you know. Um, so we have two concurrent sessions, one of which is, you know, kind of the science-y type. And then the other in the other room is more of the community uh, type. So a lot of, again, uh, lake associations or citizen scientists that type of thing. So it was a good melding of really the lake community, you know, those that work every day to protect them, and then those that live and enjoy and recreate on lakes that also want to protect them. And so I thought it was a, a great success. We had over 150 folks attend the conference, and you know, it was over the course of two days. And um, Again, great discussions. We brought in scientists from around the United States, uh, one in, in particular, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Schlato from the University of California, Davis, came and talked about Lake Tahoe. And so, of course, Lake Tahoe is, um, you know, a lake that gets a lot of attention. It is federally funded for its protection, as well as, you know, Nevada and California both funded as well. And so we heard 
some of the work that they're doing down there and some of the challenges they, they face, um, not unlike the same challenges we have in the lakes here in Montana. So, so it was a great success uh, in, in the Whitefish Lake Institute. You know, we're a relatively small nonprofit. You know, there's four of us on staff. And so we'd love to do this conference every year, but um, it really takes a lot of staff time to put this on. And we do it as a service to the resource uh, to the lake community in Montana, and in particular Northwest Montana. But um, so we decided to put it on every four years instead of every year. Um, and so that way, you know, lake science uh, typically doesn't evolve as quickly as a stream and river science and other things. So it's great to give it a little time to season and 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 uh, hear about the new research that's coming about. Yeah. Um, so what were some of the big issues that were on the table in 2019? Well, a lot of the same issues that we'll be talking about this year. Um, and so it's, that's kind of nice to have that congruity of, you know, what did we talk about in 2019 and, and where are we now in 2023? And so a couple of the big issues, for instance, would be uh, aquatic invasive species. So, you know, here in western Montana, we don't have any zebra mussels in any of the waterways. Um, and it, back in 2019, um, the Columbia River Basin was the only major river in uh, the United States that did not have zebra or, or their close relative quagga mussels. Um, but as of last week, we uh, have news that there are now um, some quagga mussels in the Snake River in Idaho. So that's the first uh, first time we've heard of them in the Columbia River Basin. And of course, we don't want them to, to migrate to, um, or hitchhike to Montana on people's boats and, and gear. And so we have a fairly aggressive management program to inspect boats, right? And also to do uh, early detection monitoring to make sure that we don't have them. But if we do, we want to jump on it early, right? And that's your best chance if they become established then you know, you're pretty much going to be living with them. Uh, the other big issue that we'll be talking about again here in 2023 that we also discussed in 2019 was the septic leachate issue, right? So this is something that, you know, might not be on people's radars because, you know, a lot of people don't even know if they're, they're on a septic or a sewer, right? When they flush the toilet, it's like, well, where does it go, right? Uh, and, but there are probably 30,000 septic systems in Flathead County alone. And so we know through a, a study conducted by the Flathead Basin Commission that, um, you know, roughly half of them are aging. They're 30 years of age or older. And we know that the rule of thumb with septic systems is once they get to that age, that they're gonna start underperforming or uh, not performing at all. And so that means we're going to have nutrients and human pathogens breaking out to groundwater and surface water. And of course, we don't want that, right? And so we're trying to increase the level of, aware of awareness on the topic, as well as uh, trying to determine the best course of action to help mitigate that, whether it's policy or education or, or other vehicles, or ultimately, it's probably going to be a combination thereof, right? And so, but it's it's one of those issues that it is a uh, it's a social issue. I mean, the science is clear. Yeah, we, we do have septic leachate entering our waters our waterways. Um, what are we going to do about it? 
right? So we as a community have to talk about it, uh, come to the table, and offer some pragmatic solutions to the issue because it's expensive, uh, there are multiple jurisdictions involved, um, usually, um, and so it's, it's a big, big issue, right? And it's under the ground, people don't think about it, right? But what I tell people is, you know, it's the same thing as your, the roof on your house, right? If you have a hole in your roof, you're gonna be on the phone the next day finding a contractor to fix it. Well, this is out of sight, out of mind, but it can be failing. And um, again, this is affecting, you know, public waterways. And so all of us, all people here in Flathead County and elsewhere need to do their part to maintain their personal infrastructure so that we don't impact uh, shared resources. Um, is the new plant that the county just approved to be built, do you think that's going to be like a, a topic that will be discussed in, in relation to that? Yeah, I think we're going to touch upon that, um, at least uh, peripherally. Uh, we have a septic leachate panel at the conference, and of course uh, in Flathead County, um, people don't know generally that, you know, all the porta potties all the vault toilets, that septage, the, the solids at the bottom of those tanks, get pumped, right? In fact, we encourage homeowners to pump their tanks every three to five years based, based on usage. Um, and all that goes and is land applied currently. And so the issue now is with the, you know, all the people moving to Flathead County, uh, a lot of those agricultural fields are being sold for development, right? And so we are literally running out of fields in order to land apply septage. And, you know, that also gets into the question, is that a good idea, right? Um, and so I'm encouraged and uh, I'm happy that the, the county commissioners have approved and, and have purchased land south of Kalispell. It's not in our, you know, it's not in, in our uh, wheelhouse to say where this should be located, right? But the fact is, is that we, we need a biosolids uh, facility, and so I'm encouraged by that action. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned there's going to be a panel discussing septic leachate. Uh, leachate? Septic leachate. Leachate. Yeah. I always get that wrong. Yeah. Um, Carol, uh, I didn't know if you could talk a little bit about uh, other kind of panels that are going to be at the conference this year. Yeah. Well, as uh, Mike said, we're mm -hmm. hoping to gather lake lovers uh, and reservoir lovers of all sorts, scientists, agency, and citizen science. Um, and so we've uh, designed the conference with the two concurrent sessions, but on every topic that is a challenge to Montana lakes, hoping to forge solutions to them. So the conference will kick off actually on Wednesday, October 18th, with a welcome reception and community night where Flathead area youth will uh, give poster presentations on why they love Montana lakes. And then there'll be three short science talks designed to the layman voice so that um, it's digestible by everyone. And then uh, there will be awards for our Northwest Montana Lakes volunteers. Complimentary refreshments, and that's free and open to the public. We encourage people to come and support our local area youth and students. And then the main part 
of the conference starts on Thursday morning, October 19th, um, and that registration for that is, is required. And we've invited national speakers from across the United States. Our keynote is Andrew Sansom. He's worked for 50 years in water conservation. He's highly awarded from every conservation group in the United States. And he founded the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment. He spent 50 years bringing people together to talk about water conser conservation topics like we're talking about here today. So he'll sort of set the stage for everything we want to talk about during the conference. And then our very own Jim Elser, who is director of the Flathead Lake Biological Station, will speak. And he's just been um, voted into the National Academy of Sciences. So his expertise is phosphorus. It's something that we all need to live. It's a nutrient that we need, but too much of it makes our lakes green. So that greening of lakes is going to be another big theme through the conference. And then our um, second plenary will be Dr. Dan Wickham. He's a microbiologist. He's used microbes to keep water clean. He's also used microbes to make wine. So the same thing that keeps water clean makes wine. Come learn how. Interesting. So that's our, our plenary, which is joint, and then we break out into these two parallel tracks, and we have um, sessions focused around nutrients, around contaminants, uh, specifically selenium in Lake Kukanusa, and during that session we'll get the tribal perspective on that. An expert from the Salish Kootenai Confederated Tribes will talk about their perspective on selenium in their native fishing waters. We also have sessions on um, that include, you know, citizen science. You know, here's a report from your local beach. Come on, find out. How do you know you want to swim there or or not? And you know, in uh, Montana, we're so blessed with blue lakes. Everything's focused around keeping them clean, clear, and blue. What are the things you are thinking of? What are you trying to achieve when you're putting this conference together? Well, you know, I've attended numerous conferences through the years, and um, you don't really hear much about lakes and reservoirs, right? So you hear a lot about streams and rivers and fish and those things, but um, really I, I found there was a void in the conversation centered around lakes and reservoirs, and I thought that was unfortunate. Um, because especially here in Northwest Montana, we're very lake rich, right? It's lakes are, as Carol said, you know, are relatively pristine as related to other lakes in the U.S. And the goal here is to keep them that way, right? Because if you talk to people that migrate out to Montana from the Midwest or, you know, wherever, a, a lot of lakes have kind of gone south. You know, they've turned from nice crystal clear to, you know, kind of greenish or brownish, and, and we don't want that to happen here. And so we want to encourage that dialogue to forge the solutions um, so that we maintain our, our water quality. Because we know that, you know, we all live here because of, you know, our lakes and our water quality. We all recreate, they all add some sort of lifestyle amenity to our, our personal lives and as well as being an economic driver to Northwest Montana and Montana in general, uh, whether it's uh, you know property sales or the tax base that it generates 
uh, for local schools and, and, and government services. So lakes are important and um, there's a lot going on there under the surface of the water, you know, as compared to, you know, if you just go look at a lake, it looks nice and calm. And, uh, but there are a lot of biogeochemical reactions going on underneath that we need to understand and we need to make sure that we uh, protect public health. And that was really kind of where we landed at the Whitefish Lake Institute early on is uh, instituting projects that protected public health. Um, in my former life, I, I did a lot of fisheries biology and that's really interesting to me. But until we wrap our arms around and uh, find solutions to these public health issues, um, whether it's uh, septic leachate or uh, gasoline cons constituent loading or those types of things, um, we need to, to forge solutions for those first before we better understand the intricacies of the, of the biology in the lake. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to bounce back to something that you said, Carol. I thought it was fun, and then it kind of slipped my mind as we were talking. But uh, you mentioned that there were um, awards for volunteers. Yes. Uh, I didn't know. Could you tell me what some of the awards were? I'm just curious. Um, so uh, the Whitefish Lake Institute has a long-term monitoring program, and that includes Whitefish Lake, of course, but it also includes 42 other lakes in northwest Montana. And we recruit volunteers for each one of those lakes to go out and do water quality testing. And they do that all summer long. They test the temperature, they test water clarity using a, a secchi disc. They're really dedicated, and, and every year a couple of them do stand-up performance or maybe they've just been in there working hard for, for so many years and we like to recognize that so every year we choose two to give an award to and they'll be receiving those rewards awards at our opening session, the, the welcome reception and community night. So again it's another way to bring our community in, the citizens who are supporting our, our uh, long-term monitoring. That's awesome. Yeah, I learned a little bit about citizen science this summer, and it is, it's tough, you know? It takes a lot of work to get up there, and it's a lot of dedication. Dedication, so, yes. Yeah. I just want to mention that in addition to the speaker portion of the conference, there'll be about 10 exhibitors from industry. Uh, so we're bringing in business and industries that are bringing solutions to the table, as well a couple of the agencies will also have exhibit booths. So, um, some one-on-one -on -one interaction, and then there will also be a lot of time for networking, which we also want to support bringing, and we have um, representatives already registered from every federal and state agency, the two universities, and then every watershed, almost every watershed and lake uh, association in Northwest Montana. So there'll be social hours and breakouts to support networking and idea sharing. And then as um, Mike mentioned, we'll have a, two different panels, aquatic invasive species and a septic leachate panel, which will have uh, time set aside for questions to the experts and discussion within that the group. Yeah. Do you want to add anything, Mike? Uh, well, Carol did a great job there. Um, I guess I would add um, that Wednesday afternoon, even before the community night, we are going to have a workshop for, this is more for professionals in, you know, lake science, but we're bringing in uh, Dr. Aaron uh, Wolf from Oregon State University and Dr. Todd Butler from Texas, and they will be uh, 
hosting a uh, conflict mediation and resolution workshop. And so because a lot of these natural resource or lake issues are, are complex, you know, we talked about the septic leachate issue and, and uh, it takes a lot of great minds around the table to come up with the solutions for that. But there's always going to be some conflict, right? Especially if it's going to be a policy-based uh, recommendation as a solution. And so that's going to be a four-hour workshop that uh, we have a number of professionals coming to to um, get some insight on how best to deal with issues with the public, that type of thing. Um, and then, um, you know, I just want to, you know, make it clear that this conference is not just for scientists, right? It's for community members, your listeners out there. And, um, and it's scheduled over um, MEA days for teachers, right? So they have those days off Thursday and Friday, and we are offering OPI or PIR credits for teachers. So if there are any teachers out there listening, um, they can attend the Lakes Conference and get receive some of their continuing education. All right, the Montana Lakes Conference runs from October 18th through the 20th. Thanks for joining me, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Register and see a full schedule of events for the Montana Lakes Conference at whitefishlake.org. Let's see what events are coming up next week. The Festival of Flavors Grand Wine Tasting at the Wachholz College Center is coming up on October 7th. Sample a wide assortment of wines and small bites from local chefs while bidding in the live and silent auctions. Tickets are $100 per person and must be purchased in advance. All proceeds from the Festival of Flavors benefit student scholarships at Flathead Valley Community College. The event begins at 6 p.m. On October 8th, join for bingo on Flathead Lake. The sitting duck in Woods Bay has bingo every Sunday starting at 3 p.m. through the fall and winter. Play for cash prizes plus food and drinks. Look at the menu and find details at sittingduckmt.com. And just a reminder that there are great local musicians playing venues all over the valley. Kelly Diane will be playing White Raven Winery and Vineyard on October 7th at 7 p.m. Eric Allen will be playing at the Firebrand Lounge on October 11th starting at 6 p.m. And also on October 11th at 6 p.m., Joe Procida will be playing Water's Edge Winery and Bistro. Find out where more great acts will be playing at dailyinterlake.com slash events. Thanks for joining us. News Now is a podcast from the Daily Interlake. We're proud to be the largest independent newsroom in Montana and the oldest paper in the Valley. Consider becoming a subscriber to support our work. Call circulation at 406-755-7018 or click the subscribe button in the top right corner of our website. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel to never miss an episode of The Pod. Everybody stay safe and have a great week.